You know, it's always good to continually to recommit our life to the Lord. Not just a one-time thing, but continuously. Letting him know that we are his. That we want to be a vessel for him. Amen. 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 Glory to God. We want to fulfill his will and his purpose on the earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to allow him to have free reign in us, through us. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is good. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to let you know that there was $300 left on the mortgage, and uh, we received an online uh, offering for $1,000 for the building. So that put us over the top. So not only is the mortgage now paid off, but we also had enough to cover the tithe. You know, it's important that when you believe God for something, you got to believe God for enough to cover your tithe. Isn't that right? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, we are free, we are free, we are free. We are no longer slave to the lender. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So, as you know, September 11th, we are having a celebration day. We're going to shred up the promissory note, and it will be done. Amen. And then we're going to have a luncheon afterwards. The pastor Ned's going to provide it all because she's just happy. <laughs> Amen. So um, after that service, after that time of celebration, we will celebrate uh, with a uh, luncheon and with a celebration cake. Hallelujah. No, not that I know of. We'll see what happens. Glory to God. Why don't you open up to Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to continue talking about finances. Uh, You know, our world, our life actually runs in the Western world on the realm of, in the realm of finances. And although every country don't run on a financial system, there is some type of system that everybody runs on. Some people run on the bartering system. Well, then you have to have something to barter with. Isn't that right? Amen. You can't use your wife, okay? So no matter what they say. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so there's always some type of trading that goes on. And I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but your money is under attack. So how important it is that the Lord is bringing us down this road to talk again about finances. Amen. 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 Because God don't want you just getting by. You know, you can get by. I got by for a number of years. And uh, but thank God I got out of the wilderness and came into the promised land. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm happy about that. You don't sound too happy. So maybe you're still on your way there. That's okay. Don't quit. Get into the promised land. Amen. Because this goes beyond manna from heaven and water from the rock. This is about living in abundance. 
That's what the promised land is all about. And the promised land is not heaven. The promised land is right here on the earth. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And that's what God wants for us. Because God's extreme. I don't know if you know that. God is extreme. God is not El Chipo. Amen. God is extreme. When he fed the 5,000, it was 5,000 men plus women, children, servants, and all that. So they estimated around 30,000 people he fed with five anchovies, no, five saltine crackers and two anchovies. It was the little boy's lunch. He wasn't out trying to sell. Oh, look at the crowd. Let's go out and sell some stuff. No, this was the little boy's lunch. It was five saltine crackers and two anchovies. And by the miracle power of God, it was increased, and everybody got to eat, not just the taste, not just a little bit, but they ate till they were full. Now, how many of you know that some of us get fuller later than others? We don't all get full at the same time. But every single person ate until they were full, and then there was 12 baskets left over. And I believe that little boy brought home food for two months to the family because he sowed his saltine crackers and anchovies. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So um, God is always extreme. He's never wasteful because they even gathered up everything. He's never wasteful, but he is always extreme. And you got to get your thinking over into the area of extreme. Yeah. Amen. And not just want it, not just like it, not just even think, you know, that would be nice, but to believe, believe in the area of extreme, because God is extreme. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verse 18, um, it says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's he's given you the power to make wealth. The word make is the Hebrew word asah, which means to fashion, to produce, to act with effect, to acquire as one that would acquire property. It means to use and to spend it. He's given you the power to produce, to fashion, to acquire, to use, and to spend wealth. Amen. This is the same word that was used when God made man. He made man. It means to make from something. He made the, he made the physical body of man from the dust of the ground. He made from something. But he created man from nothing, which was in the spirit. He created man, but then he made his physical body from the dirt. And that's that same word. He fashioned man out of the dirt. Well, before God ever made man, he had a vision on the inside. You know, he didn't just make you and go, well, let's see. Let's put a kidney over here. Uh, you know, I think they could use a gallbladder. No, no, this was all planned out before he even made man. There's no big bang involved with any of this. This was a vision that was on the inside of God. Yeah. Isn't that right? So he had that vision within him, and then he took what he could see, which was the dirt, and he made man into the vision that he had on the inside. The vision gave power 
to use the material realm or the wealth of the earth to make man, which was a vision. Let me say that again. God had a vision on the inside of him, and that vision on the inside of him then gave him the authority and the right and the power to use the seen physical realm, the wealth of the earth, and formed man and made man or on the earth. He created the vision that was within him. Amen. Well, we have a vision. We have a purpose. We have a revelation. We have a direction to obey, which gives us the power to fashion, produce, acquire, and bring about the provision or the wealth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to get a hold of this because there's not one person in this room that's producing anything new than what God wants us to produce. And we all have to get a hold of this and increase on where God wants us to go. Well, pastor, you know, just how much do you need? Well, if it was all about you, you wouldn't need squat. You need to get your eyes off yourself. God wants you to do some stuff. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So just like man, man was first in the spirit realm and then in the natural realm. So it is with wealth and provision. First, it's in the spirit realm, in the unseen place of vision, then in the natural realm, which is the seen place of provision. Amen. You know, a lot of times people don't get ahead in stuff because they don't have a vision for anything. And you have to have a vision to get to where you need to be. If you, if you don't have a vision, you'll wind up someplace, but you don't know if that's where you're supposed to be. Because it's not up to God. The spirit realm, the unseen realm, is the lowest streams. And all the time, the lowest streams or the lower currents are always directing the flow of the natural seen realm or the upper streams. Just like in any body of water, there's a lower current and there's an upper stream. Okay, when you go to the beach and you stand in that water and maybe you go out to your up to your knees, do you feel a pull in that water? You can't see it, but it's pulling. And what do we call that? The undercurrents. The undercurrent could actually pull you out. Isn't that right? The undercurrents is what's directing the upper streams. So when you sit, for instance, we used to sit in a canoe and go down the Osaba River. We're sitting on the upper streams, and we're just being pulled along because of the currents that could not be seen. And it's always the seen realm. I'm sorry, it's always the unseen realm that's directing the seen realm. Okay? So, you know, we prove this just in, in natural things. How much more is it real in the spirit realm since this is where it came from? It came from the spirit realm. The unseen realm is always directing the seen realm. Hallelujah. The power to fashion and acquire wealth in order to produce the vision. Whatever the vision might be, and the vision should be from God. You can have your own vision, but it would be good to have one from God. You have a vision, and because of that vision, you have the power to fashion and acquire the wealth that's needed to produce that vision. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So we should be 
come confidence of this operation, just knowing that in the streams and the rivers works that way. Lower currents, upper stream. Lower current moves the upper stream. The unseen realm moving the seen realm. The vision is in the unseen realm, and it gives us then the power to acquire and produce in the seen realm. Amen. This is the way that God's provided for vision to come to pass. See, this goes beyond, this is what I'm believing for. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. No, get off your feet or get off whatever it is you're sitting on and get into gear. you got to move along with this. The currents don't just sit still. They're moving. And you need to be moving with the current. Are you with me? Understand prayer has its place. But it's not all about prayer. There's a time to pray. There's a time to watch. There's a time to do. Amen. Amen. You know the verse in Proverbs 29, 18, without a vision, the people perish or the people are unrestrained, some versions say. But it don't matter how they say it, it's the same Hebrew word. And that Hebrew, that word in the Hebrew in this verse, and I believe it's in this verse only, it means to let something slip through your fingers by missing an opportunity. To let something slip through your fingers by missing an opportunity. See, the vision on the inside brings opportunities. When you sow your seed, the Bible says that he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. He'll not destroy the fruits of your ground. And the vine in the field will not cast its grapes before time. What is that vine in the field? That's an opportunity. That's the opportunity you're headed to, and it will not be spoiled and will not be destroyed until you get there. God wants to set you up. Amen. Amen. God wants to set you up. You just have to be open to it. The biggest thing that will shut you down to what God wants to set you, the biggest thing that will shut you down is the doctrines of men and religion. Tradition. And we have to open our eyes to what the Word of God is saying. He wants to give you, you, every single one of us, the power to make wealth. That's what He wants. He wants that for you. Now, you can believe that, or you could say, well, bless God, I wish that would happen to me. Well, get on the Word, get on God, and get off of what you used to be on. It's just like, you know, uh, you got a cough, and you're taking some kind of medicine, and that stuff isn't working a lick a bit. And somebody tells you, oh, yeah, I had a bad cough, and I took this, medi- I took this medicine, and, man, it, it just cleared it right up. And what do you say? I'm sticking to this thing that don't work. Who's going to say that? You'll say, well, where'd you get that? And what's the name of it? And I'm going to go get some. How much more with the things of God that you get off the religious nonsense, get off the traditions and ma- uh, that's making no effect the word of God and get on to the things of God. Yes. God wants you to make wealth. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That doesn't mean you want to need to be a millionaire, but what it means is that even if you live in a foreign country and you own one donkey, he wants you to have two. He wants increase to take place in your life. To let something slip through the fingers by missing an opportunity. 
Opportunities is what produces results in our life. We take those opportunities. Without a vision, opportunities come our way, but they look like work. They look like, well, this is a bother. This isn't important. I mean, what's the big deal about this? This is not important, or it's an inconvenience. That's what opportunities look like to people that have no vision. It gets in the way. Huh? So what happens? We miss the chance. There was a great opportunity. God brought the opportunity, but we missed it. Because to us, it was an inconvenience, it was a bother, it was unimportant, and it looked like work. And then we say, well, God's not really doing anything. And all the time, he's trying to set you up. So it's important to give time to the Lord and let him fashion within you vision. Huh? So that you'll recognize when opportunities show up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, my grandson has a vision to go to work to make some money. So when we had our house, we offered to him, would you like to come by every week and cut our grass? And we'll give you 30 bucks for cutting the grass. He jumped on that like a rat on a Cheeto. (laughs) You bet. I'll do that. And he even said, I'll do it for free for you. I said, no, I'll pay you for it. And he'd come every week faithfully, take care of the grass. If it was dry season, he'd always be texting me, grass this week, grass this week. You know, <laughs> waiting for the grass to grow, grass this week. Why? It was an opportunity. And he took it. Amen. The upper stream being driven by the lower stream. The lower stream is faith. The upper stream is manifestations. And the manifestations cannot be driven unless there's a lower stream of faith. Faith, the God kind of faith. Faith in what the word of God says, not just, well, I believe everything's going to be okay. Get off of that stuff. Start believing what the word of God says and put some power to what you believe. Huh? Amen. Hebrews 10.35. You got to have some power behind what you're believing. And power comes from the word of God. His word is his power. Isn't that right? Amen. Hebrews 10.35, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Thank you, Jesus. A great reward. It means a mega, a mega, a large, a great magnitude of reward. A reward, a recompense. You know the root word for the, the Greek word that's used for uh, reward? The root word for that means money. Salary. Wages. Payment due. Reimbursement. To render whatever is due. So when my grandson cut the grass, there was a reward. Why? Because there was money involved. A recompense was involved. A salary was involved. To render to him what was due to him for cutting the grass. 30 bucks. Amen. Don't throw away your confidence because your confidence has a great reward. A mega recompense of money, wages, payment, 
reimbursement and a rendering of what is due. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said the workman is worthy of his labor. You know, God knows how to render to you. The Bible tells us God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. You know, it's just a a, a process. It's a law of God's operations from the spirit realm into the natural realm. You know, they want to say, oh, what, what comes around or what goes around comes around, whatever they say. Well, they want to say it's uh, karma. You know, I suggest you get on the word of God and throw all that junk away. Yeah. Get on the word of God. Yes. Amen. Start declaring something that's got some power to it yes. instead of some goofy expressions. God knows how to render. He knows how to recompense. He knows how to reward. He knows how to pay you for your labor. He knows how to render to you what's due to you because of what you have sown and what you have given or what you have done in somebody's life. He knows how to. Don't cast off, throw off, or cast away from you like you would take off a shirt and throw it on the side. Oh, when service is over, my jacket's coming off, my tie's coming off, right? Your high heels, ladies, might come off. I wanted to make sure I said ladies. You know, so, you know, you're going to cast that stuff off, but don't cast off your confidence. Well, how long do I have to not cast it off? Don't throw it off. Well, when do I stop throwing it off? Don't throw it off. But I don't see anything happening. Don't remove from yourself confidence in what the Word of God says. So as long as it's now and as long as it's today, confidence is required. No matter what you see, no matter what you feel, will your lowest streams be directing your upper streams? So is your lowest stream based on what you see? Is your lowest stream based on what you feel? Or is your lowest stream going to be based on the confidence you have in what the Word of God says? Because wherever you're at, that's the upper stream that will be moving in your life. Amen. Amen. We want to have the right things in our lowest stream called confidence. The word confidence, parousia, comes from two Greek words, pas, which means all, and, uh, uh, well, I can't say that, the act of speaking. That's what it's about. Cast not away your confidence or your act of speaking. It's a freedom and a frankness in speaking, a confident boldness of speech. We're not talking about a boldness of flesh to run your mouth. Nobody in here, I'm sure, no, I don't think there's anybody on the live stream, but, uh, you know, and we welcome you, live streamers. We're glad that you're with us today. So we're not talking about a boldness of flesh talk. We're talking about a boldness to speak the Word of God. Do you know why a lot of people don't have what the Word of God promises them? Because they get into a situation and they're timid to speak what the Word of God says. All of a sudden, they start to clam up, and they don't speak what the Word of God says. So therefore, you don't have what the Word of God says. But I'm thinking about it. The Bible don't say think about it. It says speak it. You can't sow it onto this earth by thinking about it. When you think about it, all you've done is sow it into you. But when you speak it, you're sowing it into the spirit realm on this earth. And when you sow it into the spirit realm on this earth, it can manifest. Are you with me? A frankness of speech, of speech, and it's all speech. 
or I'm sorry, it, it includes the idea of oneness or a totality of the whole. So in other words, confidence is in your spirit where you believe. It's in your soul or in your thoughts where you meditate and think about it. And it's in your body because you're speaking the same thing. And as one complete being, you're in one complete direction. See, you could say, well, in my spirit, I believe it. And in my thoughts, I'm thinking it, but I'm not speaking it. You're not one. You've got a part of you that's not lined up with the others. And this is the idea of oneness, spirit, soul, and body. I believe it, I ponder it, and I declare it. Amen. You know, I had the great opportunity uh, Thursday night to go give the in, uh, in, uh, invocation. Is that the word? All of a sudden, I've lost the word. I prayed over the meeting <laughs> before the meeting started. So I was invited to come and pray over the meeting. And, um, you know, we talked about how this is God's nation. How blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We've talked about that God's not done with this nation. God has purpose. And I'm praying all of these things. And I started to pray about how we will not back off, back up, back down, give up, and quit. That we're going to press on, press in, press forward, and move on and continue to occupy this land until he comes back again. And, um, you know, we prayed for wisdom and instruction so that we, as individuals and as a group, could take our place and fulfill our position to fulfill God's purpose and what he wants to do. Amen. I came this close, but I didn't do it at this particular time. But I was ready to judge the evil that is pressing in on this nation because it needs to be judged. You know, as a Christian, see, now here's something, Frank, this is a speech. Here's something that you need to stop backing away from. You need to start judging evil. You don't judge the people. You judge the evil. The evil. I mean, you know, you're judging the, oh, I don't want to get into that. You, 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 but you're judging the stuff that's going on that is strictly, totally evil, not only in this country, but in the world. And you need to start judging it and declare judgment against these things. Yeah. Amen. It's your right as a child of God. You have the authority to do that. Hallelujah. So are you with me now? Oneness, spirit, belief in our soul, our thoughts. We meditate and ponder the word. And in our body, we're speaking those same things that we believe and we ponder. Hooked up together, our spirit, our soul, and our words. The lower driving the upper. It's all about the lower that drives the upper. And what's in the upper? Mega reward. Glory to God. Now, some people say, well, that sounds pretty extreme. It's pretty excessive. It's kind of out there. Is that really necessary? I used to have people say to me, well, do I really have to speak the word? I mean, can I just think it to myself? I don't have to speak it out. See, there's not the frankness of speech. There's not that boldness of speech. They're feeling timid and, you know, it's like I feel funny speaking to my body. Really? Hit your finger with a hammer. See what you say. I bet you'll be talking to your body. You'll be even talking to that hammer. How about when your computer don't do what it should? You talk to that thing, don't you? And not inappropriate language either. 
if your computer would talk back or whatever, it would probably blush. And some of the things you've said to it. But you talk to stuff all the time. You have trouble with your car, you talk to it. So what's the problem? The problem is your flesh is very bold. And the problem is, is that your spirit and your soul is under oppression of the devil that's trying to keep you timid and not speak out. Doesn't mean you're possessed of the devil or anything like that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But he wants to come against you so and tell you you don't need to do that. Why? Because when you start doing it, his days are done. He has no more access into your life when you start doing this. Amen. This is not extreme. Although for the flesh, it's extreme. But, you know, it takes an extreme mega commitment if there's going to be an extreme mega blessing of reward. Amen. All right, go to Genesis 26. Are you with me? No, you're not leaving me, are you? <laughs> you still love me, right? Okay. Genesis 26, verse 1 and 2. He says, now, therefore, now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. All right, verses 12 through 14. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. And he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household so that the Philistines envied him. So it says that he sowed in the land, in the famine. That's an extreme commitment. That while there's a famine going on, you're sowing. You're not hoarding. You're sowing. And he didn't do it to get something from God. He did it because of his relationship with God. You know, sometimes we get into tight spots and it's like, well, you know, this is all I've got. I've only got $5, you know. You know, God might be dealing with you about giving away a dollar. Well, you know, this is tight. I mean, things are really rough and things are really tight now. And, and, um, you know, to give away a dollar, I mean, that's pretty high. You know, if I had more, I would. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because if you don't give away the dollar, you're not going to give away more. Because the more you get, the more you're going to want to keep. It's the truth. Some people think the more I get, I'd be freer. No, you won't. Not if it's if the if money has you at five dollars, it's going to really have you at five thousand dollars. Isaac sowed in the famine. When there was no sign that anything was going to work, he had one thing, a word from God. What he knew inwardly produced outwardly. One might say, well, you know, Isaac, I mean, he was a part of God's vision and God's plan. Well, what about the vision and plan in you? 
Do you have a vision and a plan in you? If not, you need to get one. You need to get before the Lord. What's the vision for your family? What's the vision for your children? What about a vision for your part in the kingdom of God? Does the Lord want you in church? Has he given you vision? Because without a vision, you'll miss every opportunity that comes your way. And it'll all slip through your fingers. You got to get vision. There should be a vision for your money. A vision for everything. You know, when we first got saved, Pastor Nid and I, we, we both worked uh, separate jobs. She was a cook. I was an auto mechanic. Well, she was the head cook. I was just a little auto mechanic. <laughs> and I would do a lot of side jobs, you know, to make extra money. And, of course, this was after we got saved. So all I did for extra money at that time now was side jobs. And... Um, I had no time for the family, and I really didn't have much time for God except to go to church. I didn't have any time to sit at home and get into the Word of God. And God dealt with me about the side work that I was doing. And he dealt with me about stopping the side work so that I could spend more time with the family and in the Word of God. So I quit the side jobs, and as soon as I quit the side jobs, my finances went right down the tubes. People started calling me on the phone. Hey, can you work on my car? I mean, I haven't heard from these people in a long time. And they start calling me. Hey, you want to work on my car? I'm like, no, I don't, do, I don't do that anymore. And they say, oh, you don't need the money anymore, huh? Oh, yes, I did need the money. And I was agonizing over the bills. You know, the bills continue to come. You know, they don't stop. You know, they just continue to come. They're like the sun. They come every day, you know. <laughs> And uh, the bills would just continue to come all the time. And I would go to Deuteronomy 28. If I listen to and hearken to the voice of the Lord my God, being careful to do all that he commands me to do, then all these blessings will come upon me and overtake me if I will listen to and hearken to the voice of the Lord my God. Well, my God told me to stop doing the side work and start spending more time with my family and in the word of God. All right, now this doesn't mean you just run out and quit what you're doing. This was because the Lord had said, all right, so that's what I would declare. I'm trying to pay my bills and there's no money, but I'd be declaring what the word of God says. I have hearkened to the voice of the Lord my God, being careful to do what he's commanded me to do. And week after week after week after week, this is what I would declare. What was I doing? Not casting away my confidence, not casting it away because it's going to bring a great reward. Did I still work? Yes, I did. Did I commit to the word of God and commit to the job I had? Yes, I did. Was endurance involved? Yes, there was. Did I have a relationship with the Lord? Yes. Did I trust him? Yes. Was I tempted to quit? Many times. <laughs> you know, the greatest strength a person can ever have is not, doesn't come from lifting weights. The greatest strength a person has is endurance. Endurance is the greatest strength you can ever have. I'm not talking about an obstinate, rebellious attitude. I'm talking about enduring on the word of God. That when he says, quit your side job, spend time with your family, and I want you to spend more time with me and my word, then I have to endure on that, even though finances are going down the tubes and things look like it's getting worse and worse and worse. And that went on for quite a number of months. 
but I kept before me the vision for the family and the vision to spend time in the Word. And over several months, somebody then walked up and gave me a check for $4,000. Now, that might not seem like much today in our economy, but back then, that was 1981, and that was a nice little chunk of change. And it really helped me where my bills were needing to get caught up and things needing to be paid. Amen. Are you with me? I had a vision that God gave me for my family. I had a vision that God gave me to spend time in the Word. See, that was vision. I had a vision that God gave me to be in church. Okay, that was my vision. Church, family, and the Word. That was the only things that I had for a vision back then. Okay, but because I had that vision, I could not do it without finances. Well, what does going to church have to do with finances? Gas, a car that runs. Well, what does spending time with your family have to do with uh, finances? Meeting their needs, taking care of them, paying the bills. Well, what does getting the word have to do with finances? If I'm stopping and slowing down at the work area to spend time in the Word, I need finances to make up for that. What I'm losing and doing side jobs. But because I held to the vision, it gave me the power to acquire wealth. Was it easy? No. Was it work? Yeah. Was it an opportunity? Big time. See, but a lot of times people won't take it because it's hard, because it's work. It's inconvenient. It's a bother. But if it's God, it'll produce results. Are you with me? Amen. So, yeah, it was like about four or five months that it took to get through all that. And sitting here, we think that's not bad. It's like reading the, the account of Moses going up on the mountain and Joshua was on the side of the mountain. He was not in the, uh, the group of, of people and he was not with Moses in the glory cloud. He's on the side of the mountain all by himself. And he was there for how long? 40 days. And you think, it's a little over a month, no big deal. Yeah, but did you know how long it was going to be the first day it started? The second day? The first week? After the first month, did you know how long you were going to be on the side of the mountain? Are you going to get tired? You're going to get weary. This isn't how much food was he eating? You know, what did he have to eat? Did he have anything to drink? I mean, what did he have with him? And he's on the side of the mountain by himself. He's not in the glory cloud and he's not in the celebration going on in the camp. He's on the side of the mountain all by himself. How long? Don't know. How long are you going to be there? Joshua, until Moses comes down. How long is that going to be? I have no idea. How long are you going to stay here? As long as it takes. See, that's commitment. But he's the one that was able to bring the children into the promised land. Yeah. Great reward. Yeah. Amen. We have two choices in everything we deal with. Number one, you get discouraged or quit. And number two, it is written. One or the other. You either go with the word or you're going to get discouraged and quit. What happens on the inside of us will affect the outside. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness when obeying the Holy Spirit, but he made the choice. It is written. It is written. I'm hungry, but it's written. I'm not going that way. You're not going to move me into that direction. 
huh? Always takes an extreme commitment when the flesh is unwilling. When is the flesh unwilling to obey God? Always. Always. The flesh never wants to obey God. Amen. So it's going to take a commitment on our part to step into the things God has for us. Genesis 42, verses 1 through 4. Genesis 42, verses 1 through 4. This is when Joseph, after he had been sold into slavery, went through prison and wound up in the uh, throne, second to Pharaoh over the whole land. Remember that? So here in Genesis 42, verses 1 through 4, now Jacob saw that there was a grain in Egypt because there's another famine going on. So there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, why are you staring at one another? You <laughs> bunch of slugs, what are you doing just standing around? <laughs> and he said, behold, I have heard. You know, the, the Bible just makes, the, it just makes it so sweet the way they talk. <laughs> He said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. <laughs> so then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers. For he said, I am afraid that harm may befall him. So Jacob did not want to send Benjamin. Benjamin actually took Joseph's place. Joseph was the youngest child, and Jacob kind of favored Joseph. The other brothers knew it. They didn't like him. In fact, it says they hated him. So now there's a so then they sold Joseph off into slavery. So now Jacob has another child, Benjamin. And he don't want to give up Benjamin because he's already lost Joseph. And he's like, no, I don't want harm to come against Benjamin, so I'm not sending him. You guys go. You old guys, you go. Leave Benjamin here, right? All right, verse 16 to 25. Send one, send one of you that he may get your brother. So they've gone into Egypt, okay? And uh, Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. The last time they saw him, he was traveling off with uh, the, the marauding band into slavery. You know, and that was like 20 years ago. So they don't recognize him, but he knows his brothers right away. So he's saying this to his brothers now. Send one, send one of you that he may get your brother while, he, while you remain confined, that your words may be tested whether there is truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. Now Joseph said to them on the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison. But as for the rest of you, go carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me so your words may be verified and you will not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, Truly we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. And he's talking about when they sold him into slavery. Therefore this distress has come upon us. <laughs> 
So Reuben answered them, saying, did I not tell you? I told you. I told you not to. See, they were going to kill. They were going to kill Joseph. And Reuben was the one that stood up and said, no, no, we don't want to kill him. You know, let's just sell him into slavery. So Reuben actually kept um, Joseph alive. And his reward was that he got a Reuben sandwich. You know. <laughs> so Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not tell you, do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen. Now comes the reckoning for his blood. <laughs> See, 20 years later, it still comes around. They did, they did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. So he turned away from them and wept. But when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to restore every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. And thus it was done for them. Okay, so Joseph worked it out. And he did this whole deal with his brothers and everything. And he gives them grain in a sack, and he, he gives them all their money back. And then they realize all the money's back, and they're thinking, like, he's going to think I've, we've stolen this stuff, you know. So they're really shaken. And, uh, and they go back, and Joseph has now said, I want you to bring your brother back here, okay? Uh, you know, God's just not happy when we hold back on him. Jacob did not want to give Benjamin. Because he had a just in case, you know, I got a plan B just in case this don't work out. God's not happy with that. There is no plan B. You know, God's plan is plan A. You know what plan B is? God's plan. You know what plan C is? God's plan. That's what you need to make it. Everything is going to be God's plan or it's going to be nothing. Because God's plan B, C, D, anything else outside of God's plan is just the working of the flesh. So he gave them bags for the journey. Jacob holding back Benjamin is just a sign of no trust. When we hold back on God, we're saying we don't have trust. But if you develop faith, you can be free from fear. It's so good to be free free from fear that whatever it is needs to be done, you just do it. doesn't matter. We just do it. Yeah, are you with me? Amen. Verse 38. So they go back home. They tell Jacob about what has happened. But Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead. <laughs> and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey that you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. <laughs> Dang, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's serious here. So he's unwilling, still unwilling to let Benjamin go. Verse 43. I'm sorry, chapter 43, verses 11 through 15. You can actually read this whole thing when you go home. It's an amazing account. Then their father Israel, which is Jacob, said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present a little balm, honey, gum, myrrh, uh, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. 
It's amazing what they had for gifts back in those days. Verse 12, take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. <laughs> uh, take your brother also and arise and return to the man. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, then I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin. Then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. So now Jacob was giving Benjamin, and it's what we call the Benjamin offering. The Benjamin offering is one of great significance that your flesh is not willing to let go of. Listen. You can have $500,000 in the bank, and your flesh will have no problem giving away $100,000. Oh, I gave away $100,000. Why? Because it's not significant to you. We're talking about something that's significant, that you might be putting your livelihood on the line if you lose this. I'm not talking about investing in the stock market. I'm talking about giving to God. The Benjamin offering is one of significance. The flesh don't want to give it. The flesh is afraid of losing it. The flesh is afraid that it might not work out. You know, after all, we've worked very hard for this stuff, and I'm not just giving it away. But that's your problem. You think you're giving it away. Your money leaves your hand, but it doesn't leave your life, not when it comes to the things of God. I planned all my life to get this. I have worked hard to get to this position of retirement. You think I'm going to give this money up? You've got to be kidding me. Well, what are you doing? Your trust is in yourself. I know this can be hard stuff to listen to. Verse 16 and 17. But if you get it in your heart, it free up. It'll really free you up. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, bring the men into the house and slay an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now go over to chapter 45 and read verses 1 through 3. So he eats with them and all this stuff. And verse 1 says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. We, he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Verse 3, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. I'm thinking they wish they had a pair of um, uh, uh, depends on at that point. You're Joseph. We wanted to kill you. We sold you into slavery. You're now second in the throne of Egypt, and we have no defense. And at that moment, Joseph could have had them all killed. You think what you did to me, you think I forgot? I ain't forgot about none of this. 
could have done all that, couldn't he? They were dismayed. I'd say so. I'd say that. I'd say dismayed is a very nice word. So he reveals himself to them. But look at verse 17. Where are we at? 17 through 25. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beast and go to the land of Canaan and take your father and your household and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. And what was the name of the land they lived in? Goshen. That was the best land that there was in Egypt. Now you are ordered, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Do not concern yourselves with your goods, for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh's and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And to his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, ten female donkeys loaded with grain and, and bread and substance for his father on the journey. <laughs> so he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. <laughs> he knows his brothers, don't he? He knows they ain't changed in 25 years. Then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father, Jacob. Now, you remember the last time when they first was in Egypt, he sent them away with bags of grain. But now they brought back Benjamin that Israel was not willing to give up. And now when they're going, he doesn't give them bags. He gives them wagons, wagons full of provision. You want your bags to turn into wagons? You're going to have to get over into the realm of Benjamin. That very thing that you don't want to give up. It is the doorway to your vision. The vision that God puts on the inside of you, the very thing your flesh stands against, is the doorway to that vision coming to pass. Benjamin is the extreme commitment. Amen? The woman with the issue of blood made an extreme commitment considering the fact she was not allowed to be in the street. Jairus was out there that could have put her to death. There was a whole multitude in there. And in her weakened condition, she had an extreme commitment to press into Jesus. The man that was on the stretcher and was with his friends came to the house where Jesus was. Because they said if they could just get in there that he would be healed. But the crowd was so big they couldn't get in there. But because of an extreme commitment, they went up on the roof and removed the tiles and dropped the man down through the roof. Peter made an extreme commitment to step out on the water. In the, in the face of all that made no sense at all to get out on that water. That's extreme commitments. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel 24, verses 21 through 24. 2 Samuel 24, 21 through 24. Then Arana said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? 
And David said to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be held back from the people. Then Aronah said to David, let my Lord, the king, take and offer up what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. (coughs) Everything, O king, Aronah gives to the king. And Aronah said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. However, the king, this is David, king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor, the oxen, for 50 shekels of silver. Cost something. I'm not coming to God with something that don't cost me anything. You know, our tithes, our offerings that we bring before the Lord is a symbol of our time, our effort, our sweat, what we work at. It's a product of our life, what we've worked at to produce. But it's not that you just come and drop off something. It's something that costs you. Compare that to the offering of Cain. God had no regard for the offering of Cain because the Bible says in the course of time or in due time or when he finally got around to it, he brought a little something to the Lord. But Abel brought the firstlings of his flock, something that cost him. He didn't just bring a little something. Well, I'll just give you a little something. I don't do that tithing thing, but I'll give you a little something. See, God's not happy with that stuff. Don't cost anything. The widow's might. She gave two mites. He said she gave more than everybody. Why? Because she gave out of her living. They gave out of their abundance. What she gave cost her something. That was her living that she was giving. Are you with me? God says to give away a suit. Give away a dress. You, You can't give away suits anymore. Nobody wears them. Well, give away a dress, and you think, well, when I get to it, thank you, Jesus, when I get to it, when I get around to it, because I've got an old rag in the back of the closet, that's, I can give that. It don't fit me anymore. Well, let me give this to the church. It's broken. Maybe they can fix it. I had a guy one time that wanted to give us a Suburban, and he said, you're a former auto mechanic. You can rebuild the engine. It was a blown engine in the Suburban. Yeah, you just don't want to have it towed away. I was going to give that to the Salvation Army anyway. Yeah, I'll give it to God. It doesn't cost to give. There's nothing within it. Therefore, it doesn't produce anything in the natural. Well, I don't know. I give this stuff, but I never get anything. It didn't cost you anything. But if God says, you know that old rag in the back of the closet? I want you to give that thing away. All of a sudden now, it becomes an heirloom. I can't give that away. Oh, no, no, no. I I remember when I wore that 15 years ago. You know, it don't fit me anymore, but bless God, I remember that, and I keep that because it reminds me of when I wore it. I can't give that away. You know how that goes. I'm not telling you anything like you don't know. All of a sudden now, God said to give it away, and now all of a sudden it's become significant. 
You know, the tithe, the tithe is only 10%. See how quiet it got? The tithe is only 10%. I spent more on alcohol than 10%. But all of a sudden now, God says, 10% is the tithe. 10%? Are you kidding me? 10%? All of a sudden now, it's significant. You used to just blow it anytime. 10% salary gone. Blow it on anything, everything. But now God says 10%, that's the tithe. Now all of a sudden, it's a significant thing. What's the difference? You're not spending it on you. That's the difference. Huh? Yeah. You know, the tithe, you know, the flesh starts to scream. Well, your flesh always screams. You just used to feed it when it screamed. That's the difference. You would always feed that thing, spoiled little rotten little kid that it is. Spoiled, and you feed it. Oh, here, here, take this. Be quiet. You know, let, let me buy you this. Here, here, let me put some clothes on. Let me, whatever you need. You know, I'll buy it for you. Just quit screaming. But now, God says, this is what should come in. And they're like, oh, oh. The old rag has now become an heirloom. Huh? Your flesh starts thinking, you won't have enough to take care of me. You're only going to have 90%. That's not enough to take care of me. I, I needed 100 before. Right? But what do you have to do? You got to press in with an extreme commitment. You got to press into the Benjamin. You have to let the Holy Spirit give you vision for your finances. See, if you get vision for your finances, then whatever it takes, we'll do it. Because it's vision. You've gone beyond the want. You've gone beyond the like. You've gone beyond the, the, the need. And you've gone over into vision. Have a vision, a direction. This is where I'm going. And when God says, I need to do this, then I'm going to do that because I'm headed in the direction of vision. Some people listen to the little blue dot on their GPS better than they listen to God. <clears throat> okay. Hebrews 12, we'll close here. Don't forget, 6 o'clock tonight, Believer's Meeting. Hallelujah, thank you for that one voice in the wilderness. If you're on live stream, 6.30, Believer's Meeting tonight. But we can hope that you'll be here for it if you're able to. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run the race, what, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The sin that so easily entangles us. What is the sin that so easily entangles us? It's the one you don't want to give up. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's an attitude, if it's a motive, if it's a deed. If it's uh, words, uh, thoughts, whatever it might be. The one we don't want to get. I don't want to stop thinking about that. I don't want to stop talking like that. I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want to stop eating that. I don't want to stop eating all of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever it might be. It's the one we don't want to give up. The sin that so easily entangles us is always the one that we don't want to give up. It's your favorite sin. 
it's what you would call significant. This is such an important part of my life. I need to do this. I need to have this. It's significant to me. But then you get a vision from the Word of God. And you realize that action's wrong. That thought is wrong. Those words are wrong. That thing you're doing is wrong. You wouldn't have known it except you got vision from the Word. Well, if I don't get any vision from the Word, then I can just keep doing it. Well, then it'll just kill you without you knowing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it. Yeah. That's it. You know. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So you can either perish with knowledge or without the knowledge, or you can perish by refusing the knowledge. Or you can overcome that thing and overcome perishing by taking hold of the Word of God. It's going to cost you something to your flesh to give this thing up. This is your flesh's favorite thing to do. And it's going to cost you something to give it up. It so easily surrounds you and encompasses you. It's all around you. Other translations say it's a sin that clings closely. It is a true Klingon. Another translation says what deftly and cleverly entangles us. See, this is why a lot of times you need to have the word because to us, it's so right. This is so right. What is wrong with this? There's nothing wrong with it until you find out from the word of God that's wrong. See, what happened is you were deaf and you were cleverly deceived. Because let's face it, you only think what you know is right. You only do what you know is right. You would never do something that you know is wrong. You would never think or talk something you know is wrong. So anything we talk and do, we believe it's right. Until you find out from the word of God, it ain't right. It has cleverly deceived you until the light of the word comes. Another translation says the sin that so easily entangles us is that which hinders us and dogs our feet. Do you ever try to walk with a dog, a big old dog down at your feet, nipping at your feet or whatever it might be doing? It's hard to walk with the dog around your feet. See, Jesus is trying to get something working on the inside of us to set us free in order to cause the natural to just flow. See, he's tired of watching you fuss. He's tired of watching you fight. He's tired of watching you strain. And he's trying to get your life just to flow. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Life ought to be just a flow. That's the way it should be. You ought to get to that place to where pff, life just flows. How much money you need to do that? None. You don't need no money to do that. Stop thinking money. You don't need any to do it. You, your life just needs to flow. It flows with him. It's called freedom. Freedom. Life is designed to be free. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. It's a free life that just flows. Well, what makes it flow? The undercurrents. If there's a problem out here, stop trying to fix out here. It's all in the undercurrents that needs to be fixed. Amen. He's trying to get us to where the natural flow of the things of God 
It just naturally flows within us. But what's the deal? The flesh don't want to change. The flesh don't like change. That ugly, rebellious, obstinate, tyrannical flesh that wants to just continue to dictate your life. Okay, my life. You all look so holy. I'm talking about me. <laughs> you know, it's, it just wants to continue to run your life. And you have to take control of that thing. Isn't that right? The flesh wants to continue in the same old cycle that brings the same old peril and calamities into our life. And what is the definition of insanity? To continue to do the same thing and expect different results. You're going to have to change something. And you're probably going to have to give away what's significant or give up what's significant, that thing that so easily entangles you. Amen. Amen. It entangles you all the time. You know it entangles you. You get entangled in it all the time, and then you say, oh, that's all right. This happens all the time, and I'll get myself straight. Why? Why are you having such a frustrated turmoil in life when you could just get a natural flow going? Just give up that thing the flesh don't want to give up. So we can move away from the all-encompassing entanglement of sin to the all-encompassing confidence in the Father. Huh? Confidence in his word. Confidence in his Holy Spirit. He said it. He declared it. This is it. Bless God. That's the way I live. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. There's only two ways to go, either flesh or faith. There's no other way to go. Whatever is within us is going to produce in the natural. If that sin that I don't want to give up is in me, it's going to produce ruin, corruption, and destruction. But if it's the things of God that's on the inside of me, then it will produce life as God has life. Galatians 6 tells us, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever, whatever, anything at all, whatever it is that you may sow, you will reap. It's a law. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. When you jump off the roof, you're going to break your leg because gravity is going to take hold. It's a law. It's a law. You can't get away from it. The lower currents will produce the upper streams. An extreme mega commitment equals extreme mega recompense of reward. If you get extreme in your obedience, you will have an extreme harvest in your life. Stop saying it don't matter. That's no big deal. That's no big thing. An extreme commitment will continually bring an extreme harvest. Amen. 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 In any area of life, every area of life, totally committed to him, what he says, what his word declares. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's look at one verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 and 8 in the, the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 7 and 8, Passion Translation. Hallelujah. 
It says, let giving flow from your heart. See, that's part of that flow, that natural flow. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty, but let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready. He's more than ready. Do you know he's more than ready? God is more than ready to overwhelm you, not just to give you a little bit, a little drip, a little drop. He's more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. That he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Hallelujah. 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 Now, this is something you can take it personally, that he's talking directly to you about that. God is more than enough and ready to overwhelm me with every form of grace so that I will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, he will make me overflow with abundance in every good thing that I do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, you know, that verse tells me, Get involved in good things, doing good things. Get involved in it and start believing him. Start sowing towards it and start believing it. That's something you can get a vision on. That's what his word says. You can get a vision on that. I have a vision of overflowing with abundance for every good thing that I do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is God's desire for you and me. Isn't that right? If he didn't mean it, he wouldn't say it. And if he couldn't do it, he wouldn't say it. If he had not already provided it, he wouldn't say it. Amen. Amen. So as we come before the Lord today with our giving, let's honor him like it tells us in Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with the first of your produce. And let faith take hold of what you're doing and declare it. God's more than enough. He is ready to overwhelm me with every form of grace that I'd have more than enough of everything. It's not just money. It's everything. He wants you to be overwhelmed with everything. It's the, called the windows of heaven opening up till there's not room enough to receive it. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Father. We thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to bring our seed into the storehouse. And Father, we just bless you and honor you with our giving. For, Father, this is part of our life. This is part of our effort, our time, our sweat, and our work. And we come before you to honor you with it because it has cost us something. So, Father, we just thank you that you receive it, you accept it, that it is a memorial before the throne of God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you joined us on live stream or on podcast, thanks so much for being with us today. If there's anything that we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. It's always an honor to stand with our partners and believe for your needs to be met. God is more than enough, more than able, and more than ready to meet you where you're at so that faith can produce after its own kind. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you can go to our website. It's on your screen. It's newlifefamilyworship.net. And uh, you can click on the giving link. If you want to give into anything specific, then in the description box, you can just write in what it is you want to give towards. We thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And thank you for joining with us today and allowing us the privilege and honor of sharing the word of God with you. 
Amen.